Shige is very involved in church planting in Japan. So I want you to give a warm Riverview Church welcome to our speaker this morning, Shige Nakazawa. All right. Good morning. Am I on, I think? All right, good morning. It's uh, truly a privilege just to be here and uh, just be with you here this morning. And as we begin this message, just bow with me in prayer, please. Holy Father in heaven, may your great name be praised and be worshipped in all the earth, for you alone are God, and there is no other. Salvation is found in nowhere else except in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son. Would you fill me with your spirit and sanctify me so that your word can be proclaimed in a manner that it deserves? And by your spirit, would you richly be present in this room? So that through your word and through the testimony to your work, your global mission would advance in our time and through our lives to your praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mission is God's own mission. It comes out of his own zeal to be glorified in his son for the life of all the peoples of the earth. And it's backed by his unthwartable purpose. And he cannot fail. Here's the word of God through the prophet Isaiah found in Isaiah chapter 45, verses 20 through 23. Let me read it for you. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told us long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. And there is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn... From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that cannot, shall not return. To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. God commands all the ends of the earth, that is all the nations and peoples of the earth, to turn to him and be saved because he is God and there is no other. God is not willing to leave all the people groups of the world in their own way of religion. He won't say, okay, well, they're different. Let's respect them. He will not do that. It's because God is a righteous God, and he is a savior. He knows that apart from him, whether, whatever the, whatever the form of, forms of worship that are found in various cultures cannot save them. He knows that these people have no knowledge when they keep on worshiping their idols and praying to their gods that cannot save, no matter how sincere they may be, no matter how elaborate the form they worship they might be. God is a righteous God, and he will not tolerate the wrong of absolutely worthless idols receiving the precious worship of man, which is supposed to be saved only for God. But his determined concern for his glory is also the expression his, of his benevolent concern and compassion for the mankind. God seeks to be glorified and glorious so that the people would turn to him 
and be saved, for salvation is found in Him alone. God is a Savior. So instead of scorning them or punishing them in their foolishness and sinful idolatry, this holy God calls them to come to Him and turn to Him that they might be saved. Verse 22 Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. This verse has been a key verse for me uh, in our mission work in Japan. Some of you may know that we were formerly missionaries to Turkey, church planning amongst the Turkish people who are predominantly Muslim and who are still very unreached to this day. We spent nine years about there, and Riverview has been just a faithful, just a support and partner in mission in that part of the season of our lives. While serving in Turkey, though, we would make a short trip back to Japan, my country, every other year or so to visit my family and supporting churches uh, that, that pray for us and support us in Japan. Whenever we come back to Japan, though, my heart will break to see my people having no idea of who God is and how he may possible for them to know him through Christ, his own son. And because the Japanese people do not know him, they apply themselves to all different kinds of idols um, to just make meaning out of their lives and to find satisfaction. And some of those idols were explicitly harmful, like uh, pornography and sex businesses, but other idols were not as obviously bad, like work and family, community and schools, but... but good things, and yet those things that have become most important pursuit of their lives in the place of God so that they have become enslaving idols to them. But what was disturbing the most is that the people hardly seemed to recognize the problem, even when almost 30,000 people take their own lives every year in the society, and so many more people have seriously considered doing so or have actually attempted to do so. Like the uh, proverbial frog, which is cooked to death in this uh, slow-cooking water, so slowly cooking that he never notices the problem until it's too late. The Japanese people seem to be just heading to eternal destruction without knowing it. And behind all these are uh, countless Buddhist temples and Shinto shrines and other religious establishments that densely populate the city. And I... As I walk on the streets of Tokyo, I would hear God's voice calling them through this verse, Turn to me and be saved, for I am God, and there is no other. Turn to me and be saved. Do you see in this command God's burning zeal, both for his own glory and for the life of the people of all nations? There is no such thing as true happiness for men where the one true God is not worshipped as God. There is no life as such apart from Him. God has made His people in His own image so that people are made to find their ultimate joy and life in knowing Him. And He continues to declare this resolve with an oath. Verse 23. By myself I have sworn... From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. By myself I have sworn. This is a solemn 
oath made by God Almighty concerning what is sure to be accomplished, and there is absolutely nothing in this whole universe that can stop it. The content of this oath is that every knee shall bow to God and every tongue shall swear allegiance to him. God will himself see to it that all the idols and false gods that lead people astray to death will just lose their hold and God alone gets the glory that rightfully belongs to him in the end. This mighty resolve of God, by the way, did not start in Isaiah's time or was it effective only in his period. It had always been God's concern and passion from the start, and this resolve will lead to the, lead the history all the way until the end. To, to show you this important point, let me just show you some few more verses here. The last time God used the same phrase, by myself I have sworn, was when he spoke to Abraham in Genesis 22. In that chapter, Abraham obeys God and offers to him his precious son Isaac, Many of you know the story. God, after sparing Isaac, but providing a ram to be sacrificed, instead makes this promise by an oath. He said, By myself I have sworn, here it is, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God spoke to Abraham in a time of history where sin had been taking a whole human race through a seemingly just an endless dance spiral. Once sin had entered into the world through the disobedience of the first man, Adam, it spread very fast like a very aggressive cancer, and it corrupted everything very quickly. And it had become so bad that God, in his righteous judgment, had to send a great flood to wipe out the whole mankind, except Noah and his family. But unfortunately, the newly started human race after the flood was basically just as bad. But when there seemed to be no hope left, that was when God appears to Abraham, or Abram back then, so it was called. This was this amazing promise that would reverse the pattern of sin and judgment to, to that of blessing. God promised to Abram, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God acting to save sinners with his purpose of grace. For the sake of the world that only deserved judgment. Now, from the New Testament vantage point, we know what God meant by the promise. When God said in Genesis 22, 18, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, he meant that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through Jesus Christ, the offspring of Abraham, who came many years later according to the promise. The Apostle Paul writes of our Lord Jesus Christ in Philippians 2, saying this, Though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The unchangeable resolve of God in Isaiah 45, 23, to see every knee bowing to God and every tongue swearing allegiance to Him was thus going to be fulfilled through the Lord Jesus Christ, His one and only Son, as every knee bowed to Him and every tongue confessed that He is the Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ came to give His life on the cross for the sake of the undeserved idolaters, Rebels and sinners, so that they, as they turn to Jesus by faith, they may be, they may be saved by God's grace. And in the verse that we looked at, Isaiah 45, God says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. Jesus was lifted up on a cross like the bronze serpent. You know the story that Moses once made for the cure of the snake-stricken people, which if... Only the people, if only the people turned to look at it, they, they lived. And Jesus says in John chapter 3, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And having proclaimed that promise that Jesus himself will build his church, saying, I will build my church, the Lord Jesus left us, his disciples with his most important commission, great commission that the Pastor Mel just read. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Making disciples of Jesus of all people groups of the world is a task that's been given to us. And this is how God's irreversible resolve to receive glory from all the earth is going to be accomplished. But as soon as this gigantic scale of the task starts to overwhelm us, he assures us by saying, I am with you always to the end of the age. And some of you have to hear this this morning. I am with you. I am with you. And when it's accomplished, the book of Revelation tells us that it will look like this. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could count number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, missions that we're talking about in this conference is really God's mission, his own mission, it comes out, out of his burning zeal to be glorified in all the earth for the life of all nations, and it's backed by his unthwartable purpose. It cannot fail. It will be done. 
And that is the truth that God has been just leading our ministry with in Tokyo, in Japan. When the time had come, God eventually called us to serve Him in Japan. And I don't have the time to tell you how He led us to Japan, but it was so clear that there was no room for doubt that He did to call us back to Japan. So we moved in November of 2011 uh, from Turkey to Japan, the year that the great earthquake disaster, tsunami disaster, nuclear uh, triple disaster hit Japan, the year of 2011. And I might say that when we first went back to Japan, our assignment given from our leadership was that we would uh, go up to Tohoku, which is the northeastern part of Japan where the great disaster hit. However, within a few months after arriving, God instead gave us a strong sense of calling to work in the heart of Tokyo, both to us and the Stoddards, Rob and Jill, another rich global couple who were, uh, we were living right by. And later on, the Stoddards family and our family uh, formed the Reach Global's brand new Tokyo City team. And even though we knew that we were supposed to be serving him in central Tokyo, that didn't mean that we knew what to do. <laughs> we didn't know what exactly to do or where in Tokyo to do it. And so to begin with, we decided that we would place prayer in the center of our work, among other foundational pieces like observing what was happening in there, to learn what was happening in Tokyo. And as we do so, we trusted that the Lord would show us the specifics of our church planting ministry that we were called to do. And uh, when we were uh, in that earliest stage as a team, uh, God gave our teammate Jill Stoddard uh, the idea of uh, praying for Tokyo and its people while we ride on a train, the commuter train called the Yamanote Line, and which circles around the, uh, the center of Tokyo in one hour. And you might remember me talking about it uh, last time we were here, 2015 summer, I think it was, uh, when we last visited Riverview back then. And uh, uh, also joined by many other Christians from outside of our team. This prayer ministry has been going on, continuing every week to this day. And it's been almost four years now. And it has proven to be a crucial, just a part, crucial piece that God has been just using to lead us to the type of ministry that he's calling us to do. And he continues to do so as we move forward. And I'd like you to, here for a moment, I want you to just kind of try to picture yourself yourself riding on that Yamanote train line with us to pray for Tokyo for a moment, okay? And as you circle on the train around the heart of the largest metropolis with 38 million population who do not know their savior except maybe one half of a percent uh, of the whole population, when you do that, as you do so, what, what do you see? What do you think you will see? As you pass through the stations like Shinjuku, the busiest train station of the world with three and a half million people using it every day, or Shinagawa where massive waves of Japanese salarymen and women uh, get off for work where they just give their lives without knowing Jesus, what do you hear? And what is the desire that Jesus has for this city and for these people that he is giving you as a holy burden into your heart. And I would often hear something like this, I want them to know my father. I want them to know me. 
I want this city to be filled with praises to my Father through me. God who is zealously and compassionately seeks his glory in this pagan city of Tokyo, he himself pours such burden into our hearts by his spirit. And by the same spirit, we also cry back to him in the name of Jesus, God be glorified in this city of Tokyo. Let the name of Jesus be set apart in this city. Fill the city with your life, with people who have come to taste the salvation. Saturate this city with a community of believers who live for your glory. And as we continued praying for Tokyo, God began revealing to us the direction of ministry that he has, he has for our team. And first, it started with a simple observation. In the light of the sheer immensity of Tokyo, just planting just one or two churches just won't do it. I mean, it doesn't even seem like a drop in a bucket. And, but that's what we will end up having if we plant churches that assume to depend on a few professional pastors or expensive buildings in this expensive city. And then God gave us this question. How can we see a church multiplication that is simple enough for any committed believers to do and yet one that has a substance needed for discipleship and multiplication and done in a way that is possible in this cultural soil of Japan. And so in November of 2016, we began having a, um, an experimental worship service uh, in the Eitatami mat room, the upstairs of our house in the center of Tokyo. And uh, this will become the prototype, sort of, the kind of, uh, the kind of small group of small churches that we like to see multiplying in the city of Tokyo. So uh, I'd like to just take a little bit of time sharing with you uh, how we're doing this as well as the vision that God has given us into the future. And first, how we are doing the small church. And uh, we wanted to be intentional about making every aspect of it reproducible. That means anybody can do it. Okay, in order that any committed believers will be able to run this by themselves in the future. For example, we decided that no one preaches because, uh, because we thought the sermon preparation would be too much of a burden for normal, uh, busy uh, lay believers in Tokyo to carry. And so instead of preaching, we chose to employ a discovery Bible study in which the group members look at the scripture together in order to dig out the scriptural truth as a group, by going back to the scripture test again and again, text again and again, using these following three standardized essential questions. What does this text teach us about God? And what does this text teach us about people? And what is the main point of the passage? And when someone shares an insight, he or she is asked to point to where in, in the scripture that opinion stands written in order to keep the discussion focused on what the Bible has to say rather than people's free opinions. And uh, one thing we try to emphasize is the practicing of the word and outreach, uh, which is the central to discipleship and multiplication. Uh, after we study the Bible together, we break into smaller groups, three or four, and uh, where each person kind of asks God in prayer, okay, what does it mean for me to apply this scriptural truth that God just revealed to me in my life this week? And God, who do you want me to reach out in love this week for you? And, and each person afterwards kind of share those items with each other and pray for one another and close the group and come back next week and ask each other, how did it go? 
And also we eat together every time in the time before the Bible study. And in order to reduce the, uh, the burden uh, of, the ho- of the host, we simply just get meals from outside so that this aspect of the group also uh, remains uh, resta- um, uh, sustainable uh, as well. And as we eat together, we share our lives and uh, take time to pray for each other. So in a family-like atmosphere like this, uh, where we see each other's faces, we continue to live as a worship community. And in February, okay, let's see, okay there. In February, um, we were blessed to commission the first family to start a new small church in the west part of Tokyo. The Roberts family, uh, just wonderful people, uh, who first joined a small church uh, last fall, intending to just uh, start one on their own. Um, they just uh, started one in, in March, and they've been just going forward. And they were just a truly wonderful people, uh, just that we were so sad to see them go. But we were also rejoicing, kind of painfully rejoicing at the same time, knowing that this is the way. This is the way to see more and more new unre- uh, unsaved Japanese people to be reached for Christ, just because they went and started a new group. And in, so in May, we commissioned several of our um, own teammates who started uh, who we started this original group with, John and Joe Beth and, and uh, Michio and Kevin Moore from Riverview Church um, to start a third uh, small church. And, and by the way, how many of you know Kevin Moore? Yeah, all right. He's been, okay, not many of you this morning, but just a great, he's been doing great, and he's been just a wonderful part uh, of our teamwork, and we're just thankful that Riverview just sent him off to Tokyo our way. And even though these uh, three small churches so far are started and run by full-time missionaries like us, we hope in the Lord that, uh, that as the generational multiplication continues to happen down to further generations, there will be more and more lay-led small churches starting. And our goal here is to see these small churches that are simple and doable for lay believers and yet having good substance to multiply in central Tokyo. And these small churches, typically led by two lay leaders, meet at the location and time with a style of their choice, and thus meeting the needs of the diversity of the city. And to encourage and support these lay-led small churches, we have also uh, the monthly celebrations uh, where these small churches, get, small churches gather in one place. And it's a place where people can get together as a larger body of Christ, to encourage each other. You know, they, these guys are just usually meeting in a small group, but in this larger celebration, they can be assured, that, no, this is not just a small group thing. We're just part of a larger body of Christ. And they can also be encouraged to see those brothers and sisters who left their small churches to start a new group, see them again in the celebration, and just to celebrate the, uh, just, uh, that we're together, uh, family in Christ. And also we'll have a servant leadership team who is made up of a multiple full-time staff uh, who will be tasked to provide ongoing mentoring and coaching to the lay leaders of the small churches. In addition, uh, we will be uh, planning to uh, have a, a training modules of various kinds uh, to which all the people, anybody who, uh, that are in this, any of these small churches are invited and for trainings of various uh, purposes. And one thing that uh, we consider important is that these functions, the celebration and the servant leadership and the training modules are all supportive functions to help this, to help these lay-led small churches. What's important is that these small churches to stay strong and keep multiplying in a healthy way 
we don't consider that as, as a purpose to see the celebration service itself to grow big. Our purpose, rather, is to advance the kingdom of God by starting, helping start new churches to start and run and multiply in a healthy way in the various places of Tokyo so that the life of Christ, the salvation of Christ, his knowledge of his greatness will permeate the city. The most important, encouraging part, though, is this, that this is God's doing. The more we're in this business, if you will, the more we realize that how this is, it is truly God who is zealous to see his name glorified for the salvation of people working through us. We are weak, we, hear, we struggle, we stumble, we're utterly barren in our own, in, our, in, our, in and of ourselves. We get tired, we lose passion, we grow cold sometimes, sometimes, oftentimes all we think is just ourselves, you know? We're so limited in the physical capacity, we're a bunch of knees, we struggle through our parenting, just, you know, marriages like me, all of you, all of us, we're just same. And on top of the daily struggle to keep our faith vibrant in this city where Satan's lies and deceptions, like, just raging like a storm, but... We've now seen enough times that, that, that we know now that it is God who is determined to bless the Japanese people with Christ's salvation for his glory working in and through us. He gives us the burden. He gives us the faith. He gives us the love and compassion. He sustains and grows our vision in spite of it all. Because mission is God's own mission coming out of his zeal to be glorified for the life of people of all nations. It's going to happen. It's, he, it's been purposed by his grace. It cannot fail. It's his thing. We're just privileged to be part of it. So, so what's here for you? First, know that this is the heartbeat of your God. Okay, and second, courageously say yes to follow him in his mission. If you are his child this morning, this shouldn't come to you as strange because through your faith in Jesus, God has already given you his own spirit to live in you. He has been already giving, giving you a desire for his glory and a sense of urge that you must share your faith and make disciples. And you know why, because the spirit who lives in you is a spirit of this determined God. You can choose to ignore this urge or deny it, but it'll always leave you feeling contradicted within yourself when you do that. Because when you believed in Jesus, he has made you into a new creation that is shaped after his heart and his own zeal. So courageously say yes to him and follow him in his mission. He will ask you to give up everything for him, your identity, your stability, your comfort, and your resources. But when you do that, what's waiting for you is him. He will be your reward. And you will find the joy of being able to live for the worthiest cause and surest purpose that cannot fail. And, as you, and you will be his blessing for the nations. And many of you actually have been doing this, maybe, walking in this, but... But God might be leading some of you this morning through a dark and painful valley as you do that. Uh, you've been faithfully following God, but the path has been full of pain and just you don't know 
how to keep on running this race. And if that's the case for you this morning, I want you to remember and not forget this. He is a righteous God. He is a Savior. Trust Him. He is holy and He is righteous in all His ways. And He is with you and He is for you, even though you may not feel like it. So entrust your troubled soul to Him. And what about those of you who are here today, even though you're not even a Christian believer yet? Um, I would like to, I have a word for you too. I would like you to know that you are here not by coincidence. You're here, you're led to here by this purpose of grace that this God has for you. You've heard or you've been hearing what God has done or what he is doing. I want you to know that God is calling you to turn to Jesus and be saved. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you can be forgiven and be made his child. He will bless you with a purpose of life that is backed with his omnipotence. And he will be faithful to you all the way till your final breath. You won't regret it. So don't wait and surrender your life to Jesus and you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for who you are, your zeal for your own glory, for the life of us and for the life of all nations on earth. Father, though we are weak and barren in and of ourselves, Lord, accomplish your purpose in and through us. Give us the willingness to follow you and glorify your name in all the earth that all the nations might praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Am I on? Hello? Thanks, she, she gave again.